Hello! Welcome back to The Extra Unordinary. Or if you've never listened to it before, welcome to The Extra Unordinary! My name is Addison, and tonight we will be talking about the movie The Babadook. But before, I will introduce my co-host, my partners in crime. It's against humanity. Just kidding. Kat, how are you? I'm here. How are you? I'm doing all right. Hanging in, you know. It's uh, almost the end of January, which is a little bit unreal to me. I feel like this month has simultaneously flown by and been at a dead standstill. It's I don't know if anyone else has been how that, that happened. No, I know how that goes. I've been working very hard this month, also ripped a chunk of my toe off, so I've been injured and partially incapacitated, so this month has been all over the place for me. Jesus, dude. Oh, the best part is, is I ripped a chunk off of my toe that was already amputated, so I ripped off an already amputated toe. It was fun. Lots of fun. We're going to have to get back at that yeah. story sometime. <laughs> I have many stories. And that's John. Hi, John. Hi! <laughs> John has amputated the same toe twice. I mean, it's it was just a chunk this time. I got to keep <laughs> most of it. Okay. And we <laughs> also have Joe. Hi, Joe. Hola, amigos and amigos. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. A little bit chilly up here in Minnesota, but and I'm doing okay. Freaking understatement of the year. Little bit chilly. <laughs> Wind chill of negative 50. You know, it's a little brisk. <laughs> oh, is it cold? Oh, it's freezing up here. The actual temperature is only negative 8, but with the wind chill, it's negative 33. That was the high for today. Tonight, it's supposed to get down to wind chill of negative 50s. Um, some places, negative uh, 59. They have the news is warning everybody not to talk or breathe outside because it's so cold <laughs> and they, there's a chance you can frostbite the inside of your lungs. I believe. Wow. It. Yeah. Holly will be so lucky. If there's any moisture at all, you're screwed. And there's lots of moisture inside the human body. Hopefully, no one has pneumonia. <laughs> that's a seventy percent chance of frostbite. Ooh. I don't think that's how it works. But. That's a better chance of it's snowing. <laughs> That's a better chance of getting like frostbite in your lungs than it's snowing in fucking Georgia. Yeah. yeah. The snow day was bullshit, admittedly. Yeah. <laughs> I stocked up on liquor for nothing. Right? I packed a day bag for like two days being prepared to like crash at my friend's couches like down in like Decatur in East Atlanta. Oh yeah. And there's nothing. So I, I stacked firewood. I got I got the liquor. We I got stuff that I could cook over a fire. Uh, I did not get any any uh, milk toast though. I did not oh. get ingredients for milk toast. Amateur. Disappointing. I, I'm just not a big fan of milk toast. Dude, the secret to milk toast is grated egg. Is, I know that sounds that crazy, but take off. No, no, no. You do like. You do the milk toast normally, but then you hard boil an egg and you peel the yolk off and then you grate the yolk on top of it. 
See, I was joking about the milk toast thing, and here you are with an actual freaking <laughs> recipe. That's what my grandma made. I don't know. Don't judge me. Don't judge my dead grandma. I'm not judging <laughs> you. It's basically French toast without the sugar, and like that's that's it. All right, no. Throw in an egg I'm and sorry, it's I baking. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, so for you, for listeners who are not aware, um, Joe lives. Joe's from Minnesota. He's he lived in Atlanta for I don't know how long. Twenty years. Twenty years. Wow. A hot minute. And back to Minnesota about what a year and a half ago. A uh, year and a month. Year and okay. two months. Two months. But he was back here for his birthday. Yeah. And that's I actually got to hang out with him. I, I still come back and visit. Yay! But um, right now, me. Kat and John are on the outskirts of Atlanta, particularly in the north side. I won't give like specific locations, but I live in Marietta. Try to find me. Good fucking luck. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. And y'all got what? Uh, was it one centimeter of snow you guys got? We got like nine inches. <laughs> we got zero. What is less zero. than zero? We got, we got like... no snow. I got, like, two minutes of actual snow and then, like, 20 minutes of flurries, none of which stuck. You even got flurries? I saw nothing. I saw rain and sunshine. Are you a little further north than us, John? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. All right. So, um, Unlike you, I'm not going to actually give an operable challenge to any potential stalkers. That's fine. You can just type (laughs) it out for me into the Discord so I just know where you were. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about the babadook Woo! which is an excellent movie we have a, a round table as always and the question tonight is what is the dumbest thing that you have been scared of uh, John has some interesting ones why don't you go I don't <laughs> I don't have a lot of dumb stuff I've been scared of because I've I've been nearly killed too many times. When you yeah, do that, you right. have to. Yeah, you either end up with all of the traumas, or you spend like decades working against every phobia you could possibly have. And I I picked the latter. Um, but uh, for a good while, I was horrified at the sensation of anything touching my hair. Because uh, I spent a lot of time in the woods as a kid, and I lived in a rural area. And uh, one thing about the rural areas in Georgia is that there are black widows freaking everywhere. Uh, if you see a spider, you avoid it or kill it. There's there's not a lot of harmless house spiders. If it shows up and it's red, it's if it shows up and it's black, it's it's almost certainly a black widow. If it shows up and it's brown, it's either a daddy long legs or a brown. Uh, it's it's avoid all spiders at all costs. And just walking through the woods one day on the side of the property, and I managed to go straight through a spider web and rip open an egg sack. Uh... I just felt this weird sensation for a second, and several of them just started coming down my face. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, I just started uh, running. Yeah, no, it's this is stuff that'll give you nightmares. I just started running and slapping my head, and I was slapping my head and rubbing my hair for a good ten minutes after I uh, was sure they were all out because I wasn't going to take a chance. 
So was this before was... or after you saw My Girl? Uh, I've never seen My Girl. You haven't seen? Oh. You haven't seen him get attacked by bees. Oh, it's a terrible scene. Your story just reminded me of my I'd rather get attacked, attacked by bees attacked by that bees. have spiders on I, I actually did that also, but with yellow jackets. The yellow oh jackets my God. my hair and kept. It was about 20 times in one go. And my mom, oh. who was a nurse, was like, you lay down on the floor, and if anything starts to itch, we're going to the ER, because you'll probably be fine. But if you have an allergic reaction, you genuinely may die. So... <laughs> sure no, no, no panic. You're fine. <laughs> Bobby's brave little trooper. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, like, I've been through some shit, man. <laughs> I want to say I kind of am gonna be convinced now that you might be indestructible. No, uh, it's I'm immortal, not indestructible. Uh, I cannot be killed, but I can very easily be maimed. It has happened a lot. I have been maimed a lot. Nothing's managed to kill me yet. So that's John's slogan forever. Oh, yeah. I cannot yeah. be killed, no. but I can be maimed. I can very easily be maimed. There's actually an episode of Jackie Chan Adventures that illustrates this perfectly. Because in Jackie Chan Adventures, they have the immortality medallion and the invincibility medallion. And at one point, Jackie gets the uh, immortality medallion. He's like, why do I even need the invincibility medallion? It slams into a bridge and just, oh God, I understand now. <laughs> I want the invincibility one. That one's better. I love you. <laughs> Joe, why don't you go next? Okay. I don't know if this is like the dumbest thing I've ever been afraid of, but at least it's a good story. Okay. Uh, I have a fear of dolls. And a lot of people will attribute it to watching the Chucky movies. But I had the fear of dolls before the Chucky movies. So it just reaffirmed it. I think it's uh, Uncanny Valley no. stuff. I've never... The Chucky movies don't scare me at all. He's funny. He's hilarious. I don't... <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't think, really I creep think... me out. It's more comedy than scary. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. I think Dollphobia is more like the Uncanny Valley where they almost look human, but they yes. definitely don't actually look The more look realistic human. looking they are, the scarier they are. Like, Annabelle doesn't scare me because that looks like a creepy doll. Oh, Annabelle creeps me out. But like, I do not like porcelain dolls. Just porcelain dolls in general creep me out. But, like, the doll from, like, The Boy, if you ever watched that movie when you were on Netflix, that bad of a choice uh it's really more realistic looking like it looks like a doll doll and it's really creepy so joe go on okay so the beginning of this fear of dolls i think happened back when i was i don't know i guess like seven ish i think well at this point in time in my life cabbage patch dolls were huge and i had begged my parents for a cabbage patch doll which my dad was totally against, I think because I'm a male, that I shouldn't play with dolls sort of thing. So he bought me a male football player Cabbage Patch doll eventually. He just broke down and eventually just got me it. Just the, get the it most, over with. Fine. The most macho Cabbage Patch doll. Yes. <laughs> and keep in mind, I was playing with G.I. Joes and Transformers at the same time, so I still had boy toys too. Okay. Um, so he gets me this doll, and I would say maybe a couple months later, I have this dream that I'm sitting in our hallway, 
and I'm playing with my Legos and this doll starts just moving and starts talking to me and I kick it. And I was like, shut up. You're a doll. You shouldn't talk. And he keeps talking to me. I was like, shut up, shut up. And he would not stop talking to me. And I thought it was the weirdest, creepiest dream that I've ever had. So we go to my grandparents' house. And on the way back from my grandparents' house, I tell my dad that I had this really creepy dream. I don't even want to see the doll. It's hiding downstairs because it kind of got me creeped out. And then I tell him about the dream. And my brother, who's sitting next to me, who I hadn't talked to about it at all, he pipes up finally and is like, I had the exact same dream. Creepy. Oh, no. oh, that's creepy. Yeah, as soon as we got home, my dad took the doll, threw it in the trash can, and never saw it again. <laughs> it did. I'm glad that you didn't like wake up and it was like on your bed the next day or something. Yeah, I know. That's like that was dad cutting off the first act of a horror movie. Yeah. Like, oh, no, yeah. I know. If we entertain this, it's gonna start stabbing people eventually. Just yeah, throw and- this out now. And growing up, too, me and my brother used to share a room, and when we were younger, we would hear voices at night, like audible voices, and oh. would complain to our parents about it, which eventually they had some friends come over, and there was this picture that my dad and my mom had bought. It was like this foil, aluminum foil dragon sort of thing. I don't even know how to explain oh. it, but it was a really shiny dragon framed piece of art, and they said there's something wrong with that piece of art. You just need to get rid of it. They got rid of it, and the voices stopped immediately. Whoa. So I think after having that happen, and then me and my brother having the dream about this doll coming to life, he's like, yeah, we're not going to we're not gonna mess with this. There's something weird going on in this house. We're so starting a podcast about... The supernatural. Yes. Yeah. Because that's actually something I really want to do because I've been haunted. But anyway, moving on to Kat. Hi, Kat. Hello. Do you have a story? I do. Um, mine's actually a dumb thing I was scared of. But okay. it's not a, a, like a phobia or anything like that. It was, uh, this was, I think, during college, uh, my sophomore year. It was right after Paranormal Activity had come out. Um, and I had seen it. And... I, I won't lie, like, jump scare movies totally get me. Like, I, you know, like, I've, I, I always, I, I'm the person who goes, ah, like, I'm that asshole. Like, I, I, I'm totally going to admit to that right now. No, um, that's why you're fun for that sort of thing. That's what you want. You want the one person that jumps. Because, like, I don't get jump scared. I really love it when there's people like you at Aww. things. No, that's, that's what makes it fun, because then when someone tries to jump scare me, I can be like, oh, what's up? How's it going? That one over there. <laughs> just just right behind that one, and she'll go into the ceiling. It'll be great. And it's fun. Okay. Oh, I'm glad that I, that I can help with that. I, 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 it makes a little fear of mine go away. But anyway, um, basically, it was right after Paranormal Activity, and it was, I think... The next day, I had gone over to one of my friend's rooms, and I, you know, was, like, still a little jumpy. Because I this was, I guess, my first year also, like, living in Vermont, so, like, still living in the dark, in the night, in the woods. It's scary. Um, but I remember I went to, like, take a nap in his room, and I was, like, napping. And this motherfucker, like, I will never forget how scared I was. But I was dead asleep, and I wake up 
to this really loud buzzing sound. And I don't like in my head, I was like, oh my God, it's the paranormal activity ghost. So I like jump out of bed and I'm like freaking out. And it's my, it's my fucking friend with his electric razor. <laughs> I was so relieved and mad at the same time. I was just, oh my God. I was so scared though. I, I, if I had not have like peed earlier, I probably would have peed my pee. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And it's time for me. I I think I have all you guys be about it being thing. Cause I think what you guys say are like like normal reactions to watching a scary movie or having something terrible happen in your life, getting attacked by deadly spiders. Like I think it's a normal reaction. So, no, I mean, yeah. I am, I am derp. Dumb as shit scares me. But I think this takes the cake. And when I tell people about this, I feel like they, like, lose respect for me. Okay. So, so when I went to Disney World, I was just like, what? Oh, this is the greatest thing ever happened. So fun. And like, I rode the Hana Mansion about five times in one day, and I was waiting on a fast pass for a, another ride. So I decided to go jump climb the Little Mermaid ride. And I, I ride the ride. It's cute, it's adorable, it has really animatronics and graphics, and you know, they're, I'm going and my little clamshell and you know sebastian the crab is singing under the sea and it's keep in mind i have probably not watched little great since i was like five it's not one of my favorites so i don't really remember happen so after the under the sea part there comes ursula's part and i forgot about that eels as characters and when you were transitioning oh, no. that part of the ride into that, I forgot about it to the point, like, when I saw it and heard it, like, a chill went up my spine and I screamed. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You screamed out loud in an area of the Little Mermaid. Yep. <laughs> All right. I think that yep. wins. For... <laughs> I mean, let's be real, though. Those eels were creepy. Yes, oh though. no! Yeah, they are creepy. Um, did you say as a kid, John? Hmm? Did you say as a kid, John? No. Oh, I thought you said as a kid. No. Okay. Well, the eels were creepy as shit. I was yes. cursing because they're super goddamn creepy. Oh, I thought you said kid, not shit. No. So, uh, yeah, because like Curse I wasn't words, a kid. When, I wasn't a kid. When it happened this happened like six months ago. <laughs> I mean, not to laugh at you being scared, but I also did just laugh out loud at you being scared. No, it's fucking hilarious, because <laughs> I, I think it's funny. And, like, I even went on it again to, like, I was probably just, like, pooped. Like, I didn't scream the second time, but a chill did go up my spine entering the eels, and I knew they were coming. So. You were able to steal your resolve for the eels this go-around? Yes. 
Everybody can laugh at me. It's really funny, actually. Good. <laughs> so, that being said, we're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we will talk about Babadook. See you, Are you cool enough to call yourself a genre junkie? Do you bury yourself in books of bloody terror? Or delight in technological what-ifs? Maybe you like to escape to magical realms full of heroes and magic. Well, every other week, join Scott and I, Sandra, as we discover new books to satisfy your horror, sci-fi, and fantasy cravings. Subscribe to Genre Junkies on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. And don't forget to read past your bedtimes. Hello. Welcome back to the Extra Unordinary. I made a weird sound and I scared my cat, who was sleeping on my printer. So, tonight we were talking about the movie The Babadook. And so I will go ahead and give you the stats for this. So, this movie it was directed by Jennifer Kent. It was directed by a lady. Written and directed, Written too. and directed. I was just about to bring that up. By Her name is Jennifer Kent. She has a new movie that she just sold to IFC called Nightingale. And I don't know if this is actually, like, confirmed or true, because I just saw it a f- few hours ago on Reddit. But she is going to be making a movie with Guillermo del Toro. Ooh. Nice. That's yeah. cool. I am here for it. This film stars S.C. Davis as the mother and Noah Wiseman as the child. This was released November 28, 2014. It was filmed in Adelaide, Australia. So it's a thunder from down under. (laughs) Shut up, I know I'm stupid. Uh, The budget was $2 million and didn't gross law in the United States, but that's because it did not get a wide release. So, all right. This film is about Amelia, who lost her husband in a car crash on the way to give birth to Samuel, uh, their only child. And she is struggling with coping with just pretty much everything. She is trying to cope with being a single mother and she is trying to cope with you know losing the love of her life the love of her life and you know raising his son when he is not there and he is a constant reminder of that samuel guys you can start your hate for the kid <laughs> oh my god the spawn so of damien oh oh that fucking kid sucked so much. Like, I was I was an insufferable child, but I can strictly say that I was far less insufferable than this kid. So oh, man. yeah, that kid was such a dick. So, man, like, just... Can you blame so, him? So, too much. And he I want to go back and watch and count how many times he screams mom through the oh entire movie. That's probably no, the number one word. An he says mom more than they say Babadook. They do, by yeah. a lot. By a whole no, lot. They went the War of the Worlds Dakota Fanning route, which just made me so mad because I just 
hate that little whiny guttural man! like oh it's just like i hate it just reaffirms the fact that i don't like children well and you know this is uh, and i'm i'm gonna take this to the, the writing directorial level i'm pretty sure they did that on purpose oh yeah yeah the, it was interesting that was... things i've i've seen in horror movies like this uh especially in the recent last five years i'd say is they do a lot to build tension that has almost nothing to do with the actual source of the horror oh yeah it's and this kid being an insufferable shit was a great way to just put your nerves on edge before anything having to do with the babadook showed up yeah because he totally sympathized for her being a single mom and having this hellion child that you just want to shut the thing up she just wanted to masturbate for god's sake (laughs) Yeah, she literally just wanted some tubby time for like 10 minutes. Just, just wants to help her get her through a rough day. She just wanted to get off. And the kid, the only time the kid was silent was when he was sneaking up on her. That's the only time he was quiet was he was sneaking up on his masturbating mom. Just That's fucking creepy. That's so God. scary. No, that's horrifying. Like, that had nothing to do with the Babadook, but that was one of the most horrifying things. Having a child sneak up on you while you're masturbating. That's that's true Wait, order right there. Is that every parent's fear, then? <laughs> I think yes. so. Because, like, you can explain sex with, like, mommy and daddy are hugging. <laughs> like, mommy and daddy are doing a special hug. Like... I mean, so long as they're being pretty vanilla about it. Why were you spanking mommy? Was she bad? That's a much harder conversation. I have that fear just with my cat. Let alone <laughs> kid. Yeah. <laughs> this movie did a lot to build tension that had nothing to do with the freaking Babadook and a lot with just the horrors of being a single mother with... With a, a child that can climb up on top of a swing. And stand up there on his own. That creeped me out, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what a freak little circus kid. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... Cam um, was just waiting for his head to pop off. She's just like, just... (laughs) (laughs) Basically, any horror movie where the kid's head doesn't pop off, I'm going to now consider a waste of my time. (laughs) Setting some high standards. So here's here's something to counteract our hatred of the child. One of the things I found interesting was they never really imply how the Babadook gets attached to these people. Yes. The book just shows up. Yes. So it's completely unclear of how much of this kid's shitty behavior was him just being a shitty kid and how much was he's been lightly tormented by the Babadook into being a weird, obnoxious little little shit for who knows how long. He could have been at least mildly affected by the Babadook long before he knew what the Babadook was. Oh, yeah. Well, um, well uh, Samuel's constant fear of monsters and violent reaction to overcome the fear doesn't really help the mom, yes. which makes her friends and family become distant when things come out get any worse they'll read a strange book in their house about the babadook monster which i think everybody knows the babadook by now either by watching this movie or being around gay people (laughs) or the literal thousands of memes that it spawns 
Yeah, he is the LGBT plus icon. Yes. Thanks, thanks I, to Netflix. And I'm here for it. So, <laughs> uh, the Bob Everybody's Baba Shook. Sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> the Babadook monster that hides in the dark areas of their house that shows up in a storybook. Uh, even Amelia seems to feel the effect of the Babadook and desperately tries in vain to destroy the book. The nightmarish experience the two encounter form the rest of the story. So, um, you know... What's interesting is it doesn't just haunt the house, it haunts them in the damn car, too. It's it's attaching to the people themselves, not the house or the situation. Yeah, which is a lot more horrifying because if you see a lot of haunting moves and you're like, well, get your asses out of the damn house! Yeah, but they're they're haunting... Jump through a window or something, Jesus. That's but with the Babadook, there's no option. It's just gonna freaking fall on you. Yeah, it's haunting you, and I will get into that. I want to start off... I know I usually ask you guys what you think about the movies first, but I'm going to start off because I want to I want to set the kind of I kind of want to set the expectation of how much this movie affected me so this is the first movie that we have recorded that I have not watched within a couple days of recording this episode I had actually not watched this movie since I went to Disney World interesting mix well Netflix will let you download movies that you can keep on a portable device and Babadook was one of the things I downloaded because I wanted to watch it. I think that was the time Joe had watched it for the first time off my recommendation. Yeah. And I wanted to watch it again. So that's what I watched when I was waiting online. <laughs> so that may have had something to do with me being scared on Little Mermaid, but that's that's another analysis <laughs> I'll go into. So the first time I watched this movie, I was visibly shaken. I was watching it with my partner at the time, and he had probably asked three times throughout the film if we needed to turn it off, because I was getting so visibly freaked out. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to finish it! I want to see what happens! So, I raved through it, and... Uh, we're going to go ahead and spoil this because like, this is a free-form discussion. I don't want to hold any bars against us. So there's this point in the movie where the Babadook, where the main character, Amelia, is laying in bed. And the Babadook, as kind of like a two-dimensional paper cutout, come, like, goes up on the ceiling and comes for her. I had a projector at the time and watched <laughs> this against the wall. Um, while laying in bed. Oh no. It scared the fuck out of me. For about the next month, there would be times I would wake up in the middle of the night and hear Baba Duck, Duck, Duck. It's, it, it scared the fuck out of me. Like, it really, really affected me. And I was going to watch this movie again because despite me being so scared of it, I think it is an exceptional horror movie. 
but I have recently, you know, I've been watching YouTube um, when I've been working on personal projects and I've recently gotten to, you know, uh, beauty artists and uh, makeup gurus and stuff like that. Um, but I did find a uh, YouTuber, she goes by the handle Made You Look. Her name is Lex. She did a makeup tutorial of the Babadook. And I think I watched that like three days ago before I, I, I was planning to watch the Babadook that night. That was terrifying. She had also did a version of the storybook version of the Babadook. And she made like this little short film after like that mixed the two together. And it was terrifying and it was not like it was a youtuber like in her bedroom or studio just like walking around and and like ridiculously accurate cosplay i think i sent um i don't know i sent it to you guys i don't know if you watched it but it is incredible. i watched it incredible yeah it was great i loved it yeah and so i was watching that and that actually scared me enough to make me not want to watch it again i was just like you know what i've seen this movie twice i'm gonna go <laughs> off memory so yeah that was a thing that happened i've also not been sleeping well so i'm actually like putting off horror movies for until i get that worked out <laughs> duke, duke, duke. so here in the middle of the night i can no longer sleep like insomnia is a big part in this movie too oh yeah like just mental illness and like even physical illness is a big part of this movie and, and just regular ass stress like they have her basically suffer all the consequences of being stalked for real except it's freaking terrifying storybook monster and the babadook like I love that it's called the Babadook. You know why? Because it's a dumb fucking name. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah, it is. The Babadook in general is pretty nonsensical. Like, there's no, there's no hook to him. He doesn't have any hook into you. He just shows up and sheds his fancy man hat that he wears for no reason and his flesh suit that looks kind of sort of like a person and then he just turns in from a nonsensical weird not not even convincingly human disguise into i don't know some blank eldritch horror What's interesting is what made that so terrifying for you kind of made it less scary for me Really? It's, I think it tries to force a certain amount of disassociation, and I just didn't. So it was just freaking weird. Really, the things that horrified me the most was the, were the state of the mother and the idea of losing yourself to some sort of stressor that you don't have any control over. Like the really, really real horrifying parts of anxiety, depression, and the anger that comes from it, as opposed to the Babadook itself. Like, it seemed to be able to directly make them all more stressed and horrified and angry and violent, 
And it didn't matter how hard they tried, they couldn't do anything to stop becoming more that way. And that's that's the part that that was more horrifying to me. Oh, yeah. The Babadook was just weird in of himself. You know, I think it all just plays into each other because, like, going into oh, yeah. a horror movie, like, no matter what kind of horror movie it is, you, like, your brain just automatically goes on the on the defense. Like... Yeah, that's why they have so much stress build up and show you all of these anxiety-inducing scenes to get to get your stress response up, which makes everything else hit harder and later. So, like, even if this were a movie with no monster, whether it be real, real or metaphysical, like, if it were a family drama about a mother trying to raise her son, coping with the loss of her husband, it would still be, like, really tense and very uncomfortable but combining it with the horror aspects like the unsettling music the just the like the movie the way that it's like toned in color it looks depressing like it does not look like in any way that it would be a happy movie no it's 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 horrifying yeah, and there's nothing happy about the movie at all. There was never a happy moment. Even at the end, there's oh, still I, not a happy Actually, happy they were, they were actually pretty happy at a, the end. I think that was a happy ending, as happy as you like, can get. They, well, as happy as you can get, nice but it wasn't out. happy. I don't they just figured out how to control it. And to me, that it, it's a happier ending, but she still has to live with it. And it's something that I lives mean, with her for the rest of their lives. It's not yeah, something that's, that's ever going to go away. That's a pretty realistic version of happiness. Like, yeah, with anxiety, depression, phobias, or any sort of trauma, that's 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 as close as to real life happiness as most people oh, are yeah. going to get. That's why I really like, like the ending. Yeah, coping is sometimes the key to being happy, and it's the darkness will never go away, but that doesn't mean you can't learn to live with it. Yeah, like yeah. Amelia does not know how to cope with anything and she refuses to get help for it like her son is what six i don't know he's evil whatever age Something that like is that. yeah he's six he's yeah he's distinctly six. prepubescent by a lot i think he's six because he was celebrating his birthday let me look that up but yeah, yeah i don't think they ever said how old he was I think he was. I think he was six. I think he I was think in the six. He's in, in that age range, age either way. Yeah. He was six years, six months, no. and six days. <laughs> yeah, oh, like, creepy. <laughs> well, yeah, no, they had. Um, well, he had a he's birthday. Seven. He's seven because her husband died seven years ago, and he died driving them. That to, would make sense. To oh, him being born, which is why they never celebrate his birthday. On the actual day is because that's the day she saw her husband's head sliced off. Yeah, gosh, that's so. Ugh. Yeah, that's grim. I do think this movie is a masterpiece. I really do, just because of the way that everything builds off of each other. Yeah, it's very thorough. Yes. Like even if someone's not affected by the whole thing, like I said, there's like the Babadook itself is just so strange to me. But it wasn't, you know, particularly horrifying, at least not until the end there. Um, but 
it's just a permeating environment of this is this is just all unpleasant this is all anxiety inducing it's just filled with stressors and worst case scenarios all around yes well wouldn't that just be kind of how grief would be in general yeah yeah it affects everybody around you yeah especially if you can't control it and you don't know what's going on and and if you can't pinpoint what's causing all of your emotions from the grief, you're going to struggle. You're going to start driving yourself crazy because you don't know what to do. And it does start to control you. Yeah, and it's just... Like... I don't know a lot of people who deal with grief well. And that can be anything with a close to loved one dying or ending a relationship. So, I like I know people who know how to deal with it. Um, I th- one of the um, one of my friends, um, I think she knows how to deal with grief incredibly well because she had lost um, a child to cancer. Oof. Yeah, and I think she knows how to like from like talking with her and getting to know her and. I feel like she knows how to handle her grief very well. Like, because she, like, she talks about it. Like, she shares pictures of her daughter. Like, it's not something that she feels the need to bury away. Like, I feel like a lot of people do with their grief. And uh, on the opposite end of that, some people don't know how to deal with grief to the point that they, um, I don't want to say over-talk because that sounds mean but they wear their grief on their sleeve because they don't know how else to deal with it. Yeah. It just pours out. Yes. But yeah, and so I think while Amelia is a very extreme case of someone not processing their grief, I think she is a great example of someone not being able to process their grief. Yeah, she's been trying to go day by day, pushing, processing it off, and then seven years later, it's still there. Yeah, and, like, you know what, I, the characters of Amelia and Sam, they're such great characters because, like, their greatness feeds off of each other and their awfulness feeds off of each other. Like, it's a Mm -hmm. cycle. Like, Amelia is stressed out because of her son is just out of control and does so many erratic things, but Sam is out of control and does so many erratic things because he, he can't depend on his mother. She's not emotionally there. Yeah, because, I mean, he's at a young, impressionable age. Like, any... Like, as much as, like, we were joking about it before, like, her needing that time alone... Like, as much as she needs it, I'm not going to argue that, but he's still, like, a kid. And, like, for him, those 10 minutes she was gone would have probably have been terrifying because doesn't his dad does isn't around. Like, like it's, it doesn't seem like Sam knows anything about his dad other than that he died. Yeah. He does always insist that he does have a dad, though. Yes. Which is interesting. I think that's because she cannot let go. 
Well, I meant the kid himself. Oh. The kid insists that he still currently has a dad. Also, um, does she have to let go? No. I mean, there are... Yeah. Of course not. Like, you know, this is something I find incredibly interesting as someone who uh, has dated non-monogamously to get a little bit into my personal life is because... Ow! ow. Sorry. It's not that exciting, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody's like, oh, you're Polly? And I'm like, guys, it's not as fun as you think it is. Anyway. It, sound, it Honestly, it sounds exhausting to me. It is the most exhausting having, thing Having to planet. balance so many schedules. Oof. It is the most exhausting thing on the planet, but... And it sounds expensive. Eh, yeah. If you want to be a good partner, it is. More on that for another day. Because that's a subject I can talk about a lot uh, is like a lot of people have this idea that because you love somebody else or that you love somebody like you trying to move on whether if it's into a new relationship or just move on with life in general means that you don't care or love that person anymore and that's absolute bullshit and I think that does a lot of damage, especially to people like Amelia, who lose their partners at a very young age or at a pivotal point in their life. Because when you are when you marry someone, especially marry someone, have a kid with them, like you in most cases, you are expecting to be with that person for the rest of your life. And you are and you have calculated every moment that you are going to spend together into old age. And when that doesn't happen, your world stops. Yeah, even if it doesn't get that complex for some people, the sudden absence of someone who, by all means, emotionally, psychologically, were going to be there, were supposed to be there, the absence there can just be devastating and because it's a sudden absence that there was just no rhyme or reason for it can make it all the harder to cope with oh yeah i mean like like i personally have not experienced death on a way deep personal level i have i have um i recently had a friend passed away pass away a couple days before christmas and um i've dealt with the death of family members but nobody like and they were all important to me but nobody that paid played an existential pivotal role in my life like a husband a partner or anything and even but on loss on a level of like losing a partner because you guys decide to break up or ending a friendship because there are just incompatibilities it is still extremely heartbreaking and just it takes so much to go through i really do get where amelia's grief is coming from because i cannot imagine something like that happening and me being able to go through my life without an extreme amount of 
combination of despair and guilt. So I really do feel for her. I think the the part that makes it all the worse is that she seemed to be at the edge of finding a way to move on. Like she was flirting with a coworker, things were going well, he was interested, and then this frickin' Babadook comes. And then, <laughs> like, just as she's about to get to a point where she can move on with her life, at least a little bit, at least get laid and r- limit her frustration, it all gets cut off. Yeah, I really like the aspect of uh, the masturbation scene in this movie. Mom needed to get off, damn it. It's such just... It's like a great explanation of that just this poor woman. She cannot do just anything for herself. Anything normal for herself. Mm -hmm. Because her life is so affected by the consequences of her grief and the death of her husband. I thought it was a great, great parallel too, to how her entire life just like keeps building and building and building. And she's just about to have that breakthrough. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. It never gets there. Something always and then the stops Babadook it. Shows up. The real monster is grief and frustration, yeah. but the Babadook did not help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the Babadook is a, like a, monster but to the viewer he is a representation of grief and oppression and post-traumatic stress disorder i'm not sure if he's a representation of it or if he is this parasitic thing that takes advantage of it i felt like he was a manifestation of it he is a manifestation of it um like to the audience he is the representation of grief and oppression to amelia within the context of the film it is a it is an actual monster that has that has managed manifested her himself from the stupid storybook children's character to her grief and her depression and her anxiety and just her awful shitty life see i always like i've watched it through twice now and i always saw him as something that rather than actually being a manifestation of it was something that came in from the outside and fed on it fed on it and made it worse yes he came to them because their grief and that he was just this weird external thing that came in and there was just the true horror of it was that they were coping. They weren't doing great, but they were coping almost. And then he comes in and just feeds on all of the negativity, the despair, the frustration, and just tanks any hope of progress they had ever made. And I find that I find that actually scarier, the idea that he's an external force taking advantage of it. Than the, than the idea that he's simply a manifestation of what it is. Well, I don't, like, I think he is, in the context of the movie, 
a real character, a real thing. Right. Yeah, he was tangible. He was shaking the bed. Like while this they were was on not it. something that they imagined. This was something that was real. No, yeah, no, I didn't mean to imply that. Um, just the source of his existence, I suppose, is, is what I'm getting after. Well, and can I make a callback to Martyrs? Yes, please do. The scene when they're young and the monster jumps on the bed, but we, spoilers alert for people who haven't seen Martyrs, but you you realize why I bring that up, though, with that yeah, point. Yeah, I do. God, I love is that. it real? Is it is the monster real? In the, the end of martyrs, of martyrs, in a way, it's not. Yes and no. I think it's different from martyrs because I, while I, while in martyrs, that monster was a manifestation of Anna's grief that was solely inside of her own mind. I think the Babadook is a manifestation of grief and depression that was that took on the that took on the physical monster. Well, there's a theory on Reddit that it's uh, if you reverse it, it's the Dada book. Oh. So what if it's like a like the physical representation of this dead dad that Sam doesn't know what he looks like, and for. Amelia, it's this horrible thing that doesn't even recognize the man she fell in love with anymore. Oh. That is an excellent theory. I love that. So there is kind of a gap That's in that theory in that it does literally turn in to the husband and then replays yeah. the head getting lopped off. So at least you get, yeah, you get your decapitation scene in this movie. It's just not a kid. Oh. oh darn. <laughs> it's so close. So next close. Time. Like nine next out time of it'll... in this one. Well, we... if it had cut her half, it would have counted. Yeah. Wow, so... I'm going to hell, guys. I know. <laughs> that was the best thing that ever happened to me that day we saw Hereditary in the theaters. I think the fact that it's um doesn't distinctly fit any one of these theories or at least partially fits all of the theories is part of what they were going for. Oh yeah. It's like up to your own interpretation of what you think the Babadook is because grief is up to interpretation to everybody. Nobody experiences grief identically. Well, and part of it seems to be objectively real. Part of it's the um, the layout of the movie, which is still subjective because it's still observational. But at the start of the movie, the mother's not affected by the Babadook at all. Her son is, and she's affected by her son. So all of the effects that the Babadook has on her are indirect to start. Then she gets him on the sleeping pills, and the Babadook seems to stop bothering him and then jump to her. Yeah. And that seems to, seems only, it's still not an objective. It seems to imply that the Babadook is a real thing and tends to go after one person at a time, whoever's most vulnerable at the time. And it gives it some objectivity because, well, the mom was stressed, but most of us don't hallucinate monsters when we're stressed. Most of us, some people have really shit go things, and they do. But, um, yeah, she was 
mostly just genuinely frustrated at one point when her kid is literally in the back seat screaming at something that she Why can't you just be normal? I would have crashed my goddamn car. I would have been like, you know what? I'd rather be decapitated. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. Just, she, I mean, that's, I, she just yelled, why can't you just be normal? And it's, a horrible thing to say to a child, but also yeah. she was justified. She was incredibly justified. Uh, but I thought it was so interesting. Great pictures. It, oh great God, so many memes. So many memes. I love so the, many memes. I love the one where it's just like the a globe on top of Amelia, and it says the world. Why can't you just be normal? And then it goes to Sam, and it has America, and it's just <laughs> screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. that is one of so my many favorite memes. pictures on the internet it's so great they have one for florida too where it's like the u.s is amelia and then it's like why can't you be normal and it's florida, florida screaming yeah. <laughs> I love that so the worst superhero in the world florida man hey man we'd fight those gators off real quick <laughs> they don't fight the gators off, though. There's one of my favorite Florida Man headlines is Jupiter Man throws crocodile in through the drive-thru window, window at, I think, a Wendy's? So he like, trained the headline and then you just... Or alligator to fight for him? No. Yes. I saw something online that was a gender reveal party involving an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> What I don't know if the alligator was a gender and if they per- and if the person <laughs> was supposed to figure that out by fighting it, or if there was like something indicating the gender. I'm not particularly well versed in how gender and sex reflect on the lifestyles of alligators. Gator. I I think it's like, I think that, that is a niche bit of knowledge I do not have. It is. Just the most backwards fucking gender reveal party. That well, I I'm looking I up if gators have balls. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think there might have been something in its mouth that indicated the sex of the baby. I think you just have to check the uh, cockadile. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Joe. So there's a website, baby. Do alligators have balls? Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> You, so you are clearly not the first person to ask this question. <laughs> All right. So just as a fun <laughs> fact, because we are an educational podcast, we are. reptiles do have testicles and testes, but they are carried internally. So yeah, if they have to figure out the sex of the alligator from wrestling it, then that is a moot point. But what do you expect from the type of people who throw a sex or gender reveal party? Using an alligator. I expect them to wrestle alligators. I know. That's what I expect. Yeah. <laughs> I have several expectations of folks like that, and no. I believe they can deliver. It is genuinely one of the most entertaining and weirdest fucking thing I've seen on the internet that is saying so much. I think on that note, I'm going to we're going to take a brief break so I can get some water and put my laundry in the dryer. 
It's always good good <laughs> to take a break once we get to testicles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Like, Dryer balls. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, podcast listener. Are you that weirdo in your group of friends who loves horror movies? I sometimes like to see sick, nasty things, and this is kind of a sick, nasty movie. Do you wish you knew other weirdos who could let you know what's worth seeing in theaters and help you find those hidden gems on streaming platforms? No, the trailer should be like, it'll make you feel uneasy. Then you should check out The Bloodlust, because that's what we've been doing since 2014. Every other week, we bring you a new in-depth review of films from all over the wide map of horror. I'm always fond of found footage movies. That's a lot of Fs. Nordic noir. Ooh, I love it. Ghost jumping out of you does not a horror movie make. (laughs) Highbrow or lowbrow, indie or blockbuster, the bloodlust respects them all. I love me a good epic adventure. We pride ourselves on giving our opinions without being snobs or D-bags about it. I don't like this movie. 100% not but. Yeah, yeah, and I hate movies that are over two hours long just on principle. Sometimes we can get a little dark. Mental torture. That's what life is. That's what adult life yeah. is yeah, like. I, yeah, I know. I don't need any more of it. Right. See, that's But it's thing. very cathartic to me. But it's all in good fun. So come join us at thebloodlust.net or wherever you listen to podcasts, and celebrate the best and most misunderstood genre of them all. That's the difference between me and you guys. You guys saw it and you were like, wow, interesting exploration of the human feelings. And I saw it and I'm like, my nervous system is overloaded and I'm going to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so this Reddit, th- this Reddit thread for the Babadook is wild. Oh, I'm sure it is. There's the thing that they're talking. (laughs) True. I mean, sometimes I have interesting ideas. So there's this fun fan theory too that she might have killed her son and is like super delirious at the end because that fake police report at the end is uh, is a scene of a mom being shot by the police after she murdered her son on his seventh birthday. Interesting. That's a really small scene that really would explain a lot. That would explain why the scene was even in there, because I was like, oh, well, that's odd, but okay. So maybe it's kind of like she's experiencing it like out, like an out-of-body experience, as if she were watching yeah, it go down. Straight up. <coughs> yeah. We should definitely bring that up when it gets back. Okay. Or maybe she's psychic. Maybe that's she knows what happened to that lady. Well, there's also the chance that the Duke is going after other people. And it's just coincidental. Like, it just so happened that another family was facing a similar problem, and this mother didn't win. Oh. So would that mean that that. there's, like, more than one Babadook? Well, it seems to be an Eldrick-type horror, so there's nothing to say that it's limited to one physical form or one physical location. I mean, it follows them to the car. It can appear as invisible. It can shed its... Right, but it's only following them. Oh, so wait, so maybe the woman, like, got... So, like, the... Oh, so the woman saw the Babadook before them. And then... I'm saying the Babadook is not restricted to conventional... God, I don't even know what the word would be. Uh, the conventional laws of science and existence. Yeah, like there, there could be multiple Babadooks, or this could be the Babadook could simply exist in more than one place at once. Yeah, anyone mm-hmm. that has grief has their own Babadook. 
Yeah, okay, that, let's, that let's I can see. That would this. make sense. Let's pause this until Addison gets back because this uh, this is good shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's still recording. <laughs> it is. She can cut and paste it's it in. True. Okay, paste that's it good. Addison. We'll just we'll just keep rambling. She'll throw in her comments in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, <laughs> just her own commentary. Um, so yeah, there's any number of things that that gives weight to the theory that the Babadook is a manifestation, that it just happens to exist wherever this amount of grief and frustration exists, at least in Australia. <laughs> well, never go to uh, Australia. Already don't want to go there. No, there's lots of reasons to not go there. Uh, um, that's one of my bucket list places to go. Let's see. Um, yeah, and there's nothing to say that the Babadook can't exist in multiple places at once, just because they've got this... It may not even be that towards the end of the movie it's implied that she gets the entity under control, but it may not even actually be that. It may just be that she's lessened its influence over them. That by conquering it, they didn't actually conquer it. They just limited how much it could affect them, which would have no bearing on how it affects anyone else. What are we talking about? Totally not the movie. Fan theories. Okay. <laughs> We actually produced a lot of good content while you weren't here. Oh my god, you guys <laughs> yeah. suck! I know. I tried to pause <laughs> it, but then they, then Kat said to keep going, and then then we did. No, I didn't. Kat's like, I found this really good information on a website that we should cool. talk about before Addison okay, gets so back. Okay, so I guess we didn't really take a break, but I did my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so really, one of the one of the minor scenes that we missed that that Kat found in her research. Um, was that there's a clip at the end of the movie where um, there's basically news on in the background talking about a mother murdering her own son at his seventh birthday party. Oh, yeah. I actually did. Which is like, yeah, that's the exact circumstance that they're in, except that she didn't throw a birthday party for him. So, yeah, that raises a lot of questions of, is this just straight up disassociation? Like, is the end of the movie just a complete delusion on her part that things didn't go to shit and she didn't murder her child like she murdered the dog? I... No, I... I think the Babadook is a metaphysical being that can alter reality. As on some level, that's absolutely validated. Um, my personal theory was that the Babadook would come after people in very similar situations. Oh, yeah, I think that and as well. There's nothing that limits it to being in one physical place at one physical time, obviously. It's this ridiculous monster that doesn't even need a physical form. And the fact that they she's limited its influence over them doesn't mean it's limited its influence over anyone else. Exactly. But... The seventh birthday thing, though, does. I think that, <laughs> that. I think my personal opinion of that, I think it was the Babadook having such an influence on her mind that he either made her hallucinate that from her own feelings of resentment towards Sam, or the Babadook like, got so into her mind that he created that. Well, this is supposed to be at the end where 
they've basically beat him back and put him into a corner of the house and limited his influence. So it's, I don't know, it's pretty out there. I, okay, I actually am remembering that better now that it's brought up, because I do remember reading something about that. I think that is more like a, a, um, you know what, that could be like a complete coincidence that that is that that had actually happened it could still be the babadook having a little bit of control over mm-hmm. essie while she has a more control over it but he still you know seeps through from time to time and you know makes her yeah, have the, thoughts or hallucinations in the last scene she's definitely fighting with it so it is entirely possible that Rather than limit its power, they've just become resistant to it. I don't think it's because they become resistant to it. I think it is. I think it is something that well, they have accepted. I mean, like coping. Yeah, I right. think that is something that they have accepted. That is going to be part of their life for maybe for, for some um, reason for forever. Forever, just like you know, depression and various other mental illnesses. It is usually a part of you forever and it is some and it's something that you have your grief to stays learn. with you it is like it is something that you have to learn to cope with in order to move on with your life to just have some sense of normalcy you have to have that thing there that is absolutely like, I'm not saying this just to uh, make any stigma about mentalization, but I think the Babadook represents something that is completely, like, abnormal because he exists as the Babadook, not because he's a reputation, representation of mental illness or grief or what have you. Um, it is something that they constantly have to have peace with and have to work having peace with even if it's still there even if it still creeps through with you know distorting reality a little bit or having a little or having some sort of minor effects on them which is why i think the boy reacted the way he did at the end when he's just all calm and like so how was it this time and the mom was like yeah much better and like it's no longer a creature that's attacking them. It's no longer this big, huge evil entity. It's just something that they both know and realize and have accepted that that it there's this creature in the room. There's an elephant oh God, in the room. Linus. We know it's there. My Babadook is my cat Linus. <laughs> <laughs> I love Linus. Why does it eat earthworms though? He would probably do anything that you would put in front of him. I'm just, like, at the end of the movie, she feeds it earthworms for some reason. Yeah, I don't really know about that. That's why I think it is, like, an actual monster. Yeah, I think whether whether it's a manifestation or not doesn't have any bearing on how it exists. No, like, like, whatever its source is, it is real on some level. Oh, no, I don't think it is a manifestation of their personal grief. I think it is a representation of grief mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Depression. Grief and frustration. Grief, stress, frustration, depression, PTSD, all those things to the audience. But in the in the movie, I think it is a metaphysical monster mm -hmm. that feeds off of their depression and anxiety and stress and fear. And mom just wanting to get off but not being allowed to. <sighs> the struggle. Poor mom. Struggle bus. The struggle bus is real. To get off too. <laughs> I think it'd be good to end with another round table unless anybody has like anything else they want to bring up. Oh, I got a couple things that I've been holding on to still. Let's do it. That I that I found while we were all okay. chatting away. Um, one thing going back to Babadook and being kind of a uh -huh. weird name in Hebrew, Babadook means he is coming for sure. Oh Jesus. Oh, Oh, fuck. oh my <laughs> god! shit. So I don't, I don't know if that's where she got it from or if she just made it up. But so there's a Hebrew translation Jesus. for it. Babadook <laughs> is Jewish. Hmm? So the Babadook is Jewish, haunting Australian children. <laughs> Assumes far more multicultural than we gave it credit for. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so god! It's Jewish, queer. Oy vey. <laughs> it's just surprise diversity in a horror film. God. I'm I'm <laughs> proud of our new gay overlord. Our new <laughs> Our gay anxiety overlord. That's just my regular anxiety. <laughs> and then one other thing that I that I was reading up on, they made roughly ninety five hundred Baba Duke pop up books when they released the movie wow. that were all numbered. So there was a limited edition. They were all handcrafted yeah. too. That was actually, would you have that in your house? 9,000. Oh, that's a lot of books I to handcraft. I really want to get a copy. I don't think there, I don't, since that was such like a limited number and this is such a popular movie within the horror genre and horror genre, horror people are collectors. Mm -hmm. Like they're collectors bordering hoarders, and I say that from a place of love. But knowing a lot of horror people, you got a bunch of shit. Yep. You know. You know what I would want? Can... I would want the repaired, ripped up book. Yes, that'd be so cool. That would just that would just put it at the peak creepiness. If you want one autographed, five hundred and fifty dollars on Jesus eBay. Christ. Wow. If you want one that's not autographed, you can get it for $157. If I had disposable income, I would definitely <laughs> buy that. Like, if I had just, like, not even just money to, like, piss, like, to piss with, just, like... Just leave I'm it getting, on the coffee table. I'm getting paid Monday. Like, I still got a couple hundred dollars left in my bank account. All my savings are good. My bills are paid. Rent's paid. Cards paid. Everything's paid. I'm going to buy this. I would definitely do that. But again, I am a horror person. And we do that shit. Yep. 300 to to $1,000, depending on what you want to get. I'll buy it. I'd buy it if I had money. Well, why? So it is out there, and there's plenty of them too. Several of them on eBay, but those were the two things that I still had 
if anybody else has stuff too. Hmm. I actually found it really funny when Sam pushed the girl off the treehouse because she was being a bitch. She she was such a yeah that was she deserved that she was such a bitch I don't feel sorry for her she literally left her party to come into the treehouse to harass him when he was literally staying out of her way like she got what she deserved and I don't feel sorry about saying that yeah she was no and she was like a cat too she got pushed on her backside down. But when she landed, she landed on her paws. <laughs> oh my gosh. She landed face first. True. She's like a cat. I'm sorry, but like, I don't care how young you are, like, Sam might be like a little shit. That girl's fucking evil. Yeah, and both the parents were, like, feeling bad for her, and she's the one who instigated the entire like, thing. you are going, like, it is not a secret that Sam has issues within the family. That is something that is probably, like, talked about five minutes before every gathering. So, Sam is that child. Sam is that child that you pull aside your kid before they come over and say, hey, this is what to do, this is what not to do. So, I don't feel sorry for her. She had it coming. She had it coming. <laughs> she only <laughs> had herself to blame. <laughs> I'm glad you went there with me. Thank you. I know. I hope that sounded good. Uh, We're not a singing podcast. We're discussing a movie. Uh, it's okay. Okay. So. Right? Yeah. All right. So that was an incredibly awkward rant by me. So moving on. Uh, does anybody have anything else they want to say about the movie? Like, anything they found particularly scary? Or, like, chilling? Mm, the Babadook sort of scream did kind of sound like tire squealing. Yeah, it did. It was it was not something expected. Yeah, I thought that, I think that's, like, a really nice touch. It's, like, subtle. Like, if you're not really paying attention, you're just like, oh, it's a scream. But then if you, like, listen to it, then you're like, oh, holy shit, she's just hearing that sound over and over and over and over in her head. All the time. Jesus Christ. Just this movie is... Again, I think this movie is a masterpiece because just it has a way of just getting under your skin in ways you don't even think about. Like, it's subconscious. And I think that, among anything else, is what makes a great horror film. I do want to end with another round table. And I thought of this while I was doing laundry. And it was something that Joe had brought up earlier, is the ending. Do you think... The ending of the Babadook is a happy or sad ending. Mm. Or what are your feelings about the ending? With what we looked at, it's kind of a question of whether it's real or not. I, like, I view this movie as what the characters are experiencing is real. 
Yes, but it's also from the perspective of the mother pretty much the whole way through. So if something broke her in the end, well. So what you're thinking is like she's just hallucinating this shit. Like she actually like went fucking crazy. Well, I'm just, I, I'm not actually sure. It's, it's on the table. I can't say that's not what's happening. I'd like to think that it was actually a happy ending and they just coped with the monster in the darkness and it was a representation of just learning to be happy even though you have grief and trauma in your past. Um, I'd like to think it's that way, but I can't take it off the table that it's a delusion that it's an attempt to be happy even though that she's gone just over the edge and into the darkness. But I think that still drives it to the same conclusion. Whether it's a delusion or real, it's as happy as an ending as they were going to get. Either they really did overcome the Babadook and they really were genuinely in a happy place, or it won and this delusion is the happiest that they can be. Or the happiest she can be. Either way. I've actually never heard that interpretation of the ending, but I think that it's incredibly fascinating. Yeah, so that's what I'm at. I, I think it's, in either scenario, it's the happiest that they could be, whether it's real or not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joe, you inspired this question. What say you? Oh. I don't see it as a happy ending, but I don't think it's sad either. I think it's somewhere in between. And like John was saying that it's as happy as you can get, but I see it very bittersweet. Um, And having trauma in my own life, um, one example, my most major example probably, is when I was held up at gunpoint. And that never leaves me. And that I don't feel I will ever have a happy ending for. just for that situation, that isolated situation, the trauma that goes into it, it'll never be a happy ending. That always sits with me if I'm ever walking downtown. It's always in the back of my mind, is there somebody around the corner? Is there somebody following me? Is there some, Who's got a gun on them sort of thing? Anytime I'm anywhere at night in the dark, that's always in the back of my mind. And so I don't see that as a happy ending per se. I found ways to cope with these things, and I feel that like they've done the same thing, is that they've found how to get situated. They figured out how to cope with it. They figured out what they need to do in order for it not to consume them. But I don't feel like they're happy about it. They've just figured out how to deal with it. Okay, so you are saying that how I am interpreting what you're saying is that the real happy would ending would be if this never happened. Well, if it never happened or if it completely went away, if there was a way to just completely get rid of the Babadook, then it would be a happier ending, at least. It would be the happy ending that you think they deserve. I don't necessarily think they deserve it because things happen in life for a reason. So I don't necessarily think that they need to get rid of it. I don't think she needs to forget about her husband. I don't think she needs to not deal with her grief ever again. I'm not saying like her not dealing with her grief but not hap- but her I don't think amnesia is the answer for it. Well, I'm I don't... not saying that, but what I'm saying is that she from the get-go 
from when she lost her husband and had Sam that she processed it healthily. Yeah, that would have been a happier happier story, but then we went to had the fun that we had going through the whole Babadook I mean, movie. <laughs> yeah, but that is the circumstances or the way that they handle the circumstances is never leaving never leading to the scenario that we see in the movie that is what you think the happiest ending would be uh not necessarily because like i said we we go through things in life for a reason so her figuring out how to deal with these things will probably help her in the future it'll help her in life and it's helped build her character too so i so I don't think avoiding the entire situation or trying to subtract that situation out of there would actually make it happier per se. Um, but it, it it definitely helps to build them for who they are. And I think the two of them grow closer together for it. So I don't really see that as a bad thing, but it's not necessarily happy. Okay. I guess that that's more of my thing is that I don't see like, oh, this is a joyful ending and everybody's all smiley and happy and there's now flowers blooming and the birds are singing. That's what I perceive as happy. This okay. is just, we are okay with what's happened. We've gotten through it. Let's move on. See, to me, what you just described is happiness. You know, we sort of touched on that earlier of learning to cope and put the darkness to the side or behind you or any method of coping with it really that doesn't drain you and leave you horribly incapable of enjoying anything is sometimes the best happiness that realistically someone could get. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's all right yeah. to be happy with satisfaction oh, no. or contentment or just peace. But... um I mean, context probably matters here. Happy ending for a horror movie is definitely a different context than happy <laughs> ending for an adventure flick. Oh, yeah. Than Disney. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, in my head, for happy ending, I'm thinking Disney ending. And to me, this is nowhere near a well, Disney like, ending. If you, I recently rewatched it at the end. They are literally in the backyard, snuggling, laughing, <laughs> and giggling. And it's frankly it's off-putting with the tone of the movie it's it's gin and it's not something that feels forced it feels genuine which even makes it more like, unsettling one of my f- yes one of my favorite parts of this entire movie is at the end where sam sam overshares at the beginning and it agitates amelia like and she gets super closed up about it afterwards and like is just in a plant disciplinary with him versus at the end of the end of the film where sam overshares again and you know amelia has accepted it and it's like oh that's just sam he overshares everything just like his Mm -hmm. father that is like one of the most pivotal powerful scenes in this movie and i think in many movies that i have seen throughout my life which is a lot Cat. Cat. I guess I'm torn on this. Like the optimist in me wants it to be happy. Um, 
because if it is this idea that it's something that's like grief or depression, anxiety, whatever monster it's representing, you know, it is that you are able to control it and have some semblance of a normal life that can bring you contentment. That would be awesome. But I guess to me, the ending itself is kind of sad. Because um, I, I don't know if we touched on this. I'm it's sorry, I'm blanking. No, it's getting cool. late. I'm tired. Um, but uh, like we hated on Sam initially and he is annoying. But at the end of the movie, like as we're starting to realize, like she's also a little crazy and she's very like Sam reacts to reacts to the way she behaves. And maybe it comes from like my own personal feelings of this is like being a kid who had to deal with like a parent that could be somewhat unpredictable in their behavior and what they would say and if they would lash out or not. Like to me, I think it's a little sad because I, I feel like Sam he's gotten now old enough to realize that this is going to be with her and therefore with him forever. And he's just going to have to deal with it and he's going to have to grow and cope and that's just he's so young and if he doesn't get murdered i mean that's ultimately way better but he's still gonna have to like kind of live the literal monster in the with basement. having to help her carry this around yeah yeah the literal monster in the basement which could then also one day become his monster in the basement because she's had this trauma and now she's passing potentially the trauma on to him so now he yeah has i hadn't trauma. considered that of just a long-term implication. They have them coping with the Babadook, but there is the utter despair that is this the best they're going to get? Is coping with a literal... Yeah, like the that's their life? Like, can they never go on vacation again? Or the Babadook's going to get out and not get enough earthworms and do something horrible? Like, how does this work long-term? Okay. All right, so I want to explain my feelings because I think I have a contradictory response to everyone else. I think this is a happy ending. Not the happiest they're going to get ending, but I think it is a happy ending. And I will explain why. Because I suffer from extreme depression and anxiety and PTSD. And there were points in my life that my emotions and inner self felt like this movie like if that makes mm -hmm. sense like scary unpredictable like just mm -hmm. overwhelming overwhelming feelings and not knowing how to process them and i you know it it literally almost killed me and going to now here where i have learned to cope with that and I am currently, while I still struggle with things, I'm at the happiest point of my life because instead of trying to fight it or let it overcome me, I did what I had to do in order to work with it to become happier and to become content with my life and to just be happy because... 
at this point in my life, I'm the happiest I have ever been. However, I do not feel that this is the happiest I am going to get. And I think it would be kind of unfair to what Amelia and Sam had gone through if I think that's the happiest that they're going to get because you just don't get, like, it seems like the ending took place, like, maybe, like, a couple days after, like, they Mm -hmm. defeated the Babadook. When you start learning to cope with something, like, you go through stages that build to happiness. So, like, I think they are starting out relatively happier, and I think it will like, you know, if they continue to learn how to cope with it and not, you know, relapse into, you know, the grief and struggle that they were dealing with throughout the movie, I think they'll be happy. You know, I like Joe was saying, you know, I don't particularly like the phrasing of everything happens for a reason, but I am a believer in that things that come into your life, like, make you the person that you are supposed that you are for the rest of your life and that molds your beliefs and that molds your values and that molds like your decisions in life so i don't like to simplify it as everything happens for a reason but you know things that do happen to our life do mold us maybe and maybe those events are the reason we are the way we are so i think this is a happy ending because I know a quite a lot of people who struggle with grief, mental illness, depression. And while there will be moments of their life that they might be happy, they don't know how to cope with it long term. So they just relapse into, you know, a living hellish nightmare of anxiety and depression and stress without knowing how to cope with it. So these people, they know how to cope with it. And I think that is incredible. So that note, this has been really interesting movie to discuss. Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's interesting how we had a variety of perspectives still accepting the same exact point, like, accepting the ending for the same conditions of this is good as good they're going to get and then having vastly different perspectives on how happy that is based on projections of how it could go from there it could be utter despair or it could be the literally the start of the happiest they're ever going to be and anything in between really depending on how things go from that last moment if we if we take that that last bit is real they either just learn to cope or they're going to learn and they're going to learn to cope better and things are just going to get better from there on out or uh, maybe this fresh horror is the best thing they're going to have to deal with. I thought it was interesting how we all got a, a different perspective on, on how that was going to play out after the movie had already ended. Hmm. And those endings that we all came up with were all based upon our personal experiences. Yes. Which makes it an even deeper conversation. And that's why I love them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's something I hadn't really appreciated about the movie until we started talking about it. 
and really even then until until we got to talking about the end just in a way this is everybody's story everybody deals with something and how they cope with it has their own babadook that they've had to defeat Mm -hmm. in their life yeah a lot of people defeat it some people defeat it a lot of people don't like i like we probably all know people that are always going to be an Amelia or Sam with their own personal Babadook who either don't know how to defeat it or just give up in defeating it. And on that incredibly depressing note, it is very (laughs) late. I am tired. I'm starting to question existence talking about this film. (laughs) So... She's got dark, yo. I think I got simultaneously dark and uplifting at the same time. We did. We're kind of we're kind of throttling that needle back and forth. Yay! All right. Yay! So I think that is an appropriate time to end the discussion. Listeners, thank you for listening. We'd love to know what you think about the Babadook. We'd love to know what you think. Send us your Babadook memes. We'll be posting ours on our website. Look forward to speaking again for you very very soon. My name is Addison. I'm Kat. No! Oh, shit! (laughs) (laughs) Was that towards Kat? No! 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 My... My cat just knocked a glass of water off my fucking desk. Oh no. <laughs> fucking... Oh, no. such a dick. <laughs> no, cat, I love you so much. I love you too. I gotta say, I thought her sign off was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you before the show, full names! Come on! (laughs) Addison, don't lock me in the basement and feed me worms! No! You act like I can afford a house with a basement, cat! (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh. That's my Bobby. Catherine, Rin, Rin. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys, but I don't think no, I don't think great. anybody can say that we're not entertaining. I think that's one of our better signs, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> okay. And I've been Joe since I never get my name in, so thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> Show you little shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, we got the snorts. All right. Okay. We got Spider Pig is or Spider Ham is back with the snorts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. We have to end this, you guys. Yeah, at some point, one day. Well, we're officially the girls at the sleepover when it's too late and everything becomes giggles. Yes!
that that is, do you not that, that should what? be our new po podcast tagline does that happen everything becomes giggles yes everything. like have you ever been like have i ever been at a girl's so sleepover no <laughs> have you ever i had male friends at sleepovers i thought they always ended in pillow fights yeah, you have that too, but after the pillow fights, when everyone's like laying in bed and you're like going to bed, quote unquote. Have you ever but, tried like, to like keep talking? serious about something? Like, are you trying to do something in the country you hard and then you just get the fucking giggles? Sex. <laughs> wow! Oh my All god! Right. <laughs> that just made robot laughs. Alright. John, have you signed off yet? If you if you have, I missed it. I think I, I think I did as you were yelling at your cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I, I can John. sign off again. <laughs> you little shit. If anyone made it through all of these guilt, no, I'm definitely a little shit. No. No. <laughs> we that. all should sign off again. And go by like, hi, my name is Addison, and I'm a little shit. <laughs> it's like an AA meeting. <laughs> yes. So thank you. Yes, except this time it's assholes anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Addison, and I'm a little shit. My name is John, and I'm a little shit. <laughs> my name's Kat, and I'm a little shit. And I've been Joe, and I too am a little shit. <laughs> Good night, everybody. You little shits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. It's a podcast now, John. <laughs>